0: 15 verse 26 it says for i am the lord who heals you psalm 147 verse 2 it says he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds matthew 11:28, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. This morning, we don't, we don't do this very often, but I want to ask you to, to join in prayer with the people that are in your row with you this morning. Um, we have a lot of needs represented in our church. Uh, prayers for healing, uh, prayers for renewal, Prayers for restoration. And if if you're this morning, if you're here this morning and you say, I need some prayer, and I need some people to gather around me, if you could just raise your hand for me right here in this place. And folks, if your hands aren't up, could you find somebody who's is? Do you want to just play? Where should you go? You got Lord Jesus, you promise that you are our comforter. Lord, your word says that you are the bread of life. God, that you are our healer, that you are our provider. Lord Jesus, this week we know that there are physical needs. God, that we need met. Lord, that we need your help in. God, we, we lay hands on each other because we believe in your power. We believe in your truth. And we believe that when we surrender our lives to you, God, that you show us which path to take. God, that you lead us in becoming more and more like your son. God, I pray this morning that that we would be able to find the rest needed. Lord, that we would find a supernatural patience. God, that we would find strength. Lord, that you would provide miraculous healing in our lives. Lord, and that in this pursuit that we would look more and more like Jesus every single day. God, we love you. And the folks that raised their hands this morning, Lord, we we pray special blessing over their lives. Lord, over their families. God, over the things that burden their hearts. God, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. Lord, and everything in between, Lord, we pray that you would help them, that you would empower them, God, and that you would provide in ways that at the end of the day, we can say this only could be you. Father God, we love you so much, and it's in your son, Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning. It is Family Sunday up in here, so we got some kids joining us this morning. Uh, If you are a kid joining us this morning that you don't usually do, would you raise your hand for me? What? Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where are you usually then, dude? Uh, (laughs) I have a joke for you this morning that was brought to you by Miss Jen this morning, and that is how do you make a tissue dance? You you put a little boogie in it. Uh, uh Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I can't take credit for that, but it was good. Uh, And... My dad would probably like that, actually, yeah. I, I really kind of aim for dad jokes, if I'll be honest with you. This, this week, I've had a pretty hard week. I actually had my back seize up on me. And so it is a miracle of Jesus that I'm standing this morning and walking around. And this morning, I asked Dale to grab this table for me. And he said, well, I grabbed it. What do you want me to do with it? <laughs> And I I lovingly told him, and the chiropractor wonders why I have a pain in my butt. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, there it is. But I'm excited to be with you guys this month because October, this is a little known fact, is my favorite month in the year of our church. Uh, My favorite. Because October, every single October, we celebrate together that we have been together a whole other year. So... If you are new or uh, new this morning, even, and maybe you just haven't heard, we are a two year old church plant out of this church building. And so we started in October of 2016. And so that means, if my math is correct, we are turning two years old this year, guys. Like that is awesome Uh, and in a lot of ways it feels like I've known you guys my whole life and two years is not long enough. But, But we are turning two years old and so we do a couple things when we turn another year older and the first one is that we celebrate through doing all of these crazy activities in our neighborhoods of restoring hope and that's what Jen was talking about, she has a whole binder of things that you can sign up to do in our community. Everything from vision screenings at Queen Palmer uh, to planning, setting up chairs for the party, everything that is imaginable under the sun, she has in her binder. So I put out this challenge last week, and I want to say it again. If you only signed your name once, go back and sign it a couple more times because we'll need all hands on deck to accomplish this. And the other way that we celebrate Restoring Hope Month is that we do a sermon series that is exactly just for our mission and our vision as a church. And if there's anything that I nerd out about in our church, it's our mission and our vision. (laughs) Uh, Our mission is to navigate life together. Uh, And that becomes our core values as a church. We navigate, meaning that encounters with Christ set a new course. Uh, We life, (laughs) meaning that in discipleship, hope happens. And then together is where everything kind of changes. Uh, every single church that you go to probably navigates life in some capacity. But not every single church navigates life together. Uh, I, I visit a lot of churches, and every time that I'm there, I end up sending the same text message to Elizabeth saying, it's just not the same. It's not the same as our home church anchor. Uh, because we, we are in this together, right? Right? And so uh, throughout the course of this month, you're going to be hearing from the other pastors on staff here about Navigate and Life and Together. But my job is to talk through the vision statement. And I'm going to put this up on the screen for you. It is to restore hope within our city. And and man, I've loved to be a part of this journey. I can remember when we first started in October, I was sitting down here in front, I think it was after one of our harvest party things, and um, I was talking with Dwayne and Dale, actually, and they were asking me these questions about finances and managing our property and decisions that needed to be made. And up until that point, I had only been like a youth pastor or an assistant pastor. And I remember listening to them and thinking, man, who needs to sign off on this so that they can get all this stuff done? (laughs) And it dawned on me, oh my goodness, the buck, it stops here. Um, And that was one of the first moments that I realized, like, Lord is calling me to some bigger things. And so my job here is to cast the vision for our church. And let me tell you, the better we get at pursuing our vision to restore hope, the more intimidating my job is. Uh, The more that I think we need to be praying through it. Uh, The bigger that we grow, the more that I need to humble and surrender and listen. And so give me some grace this morning as I unpack, you know, the grand vision of our, our destinies. Uh, but this morning I want to show you that there is restoring hope all over our church. Uh, a couple weeks ago I had the pro- pleasure of hearing from Dale, who worked in children's ministry, that was saying that there were numerous kids that committed their lives to Christ. You know, we, we, I talk to Valerie every single Sunday night about the ways that God is moving in our teens. You know, I, I get to lovingly wait to talk to Elizabeth until tomorrow at 12 1 a.m. about worship <laughs> um, and all the ways that the Lord is moving through worship, and we get to be a part of that. I, I even see Restoring Hope in our tech ministry, where people are putting their skills to work for kingdom, kingdom purposes. I see it everywhere. I get to see it every single morning standing up here, and I see it preached from this pulpit whether I'm up here or not. And that's, that's what restoring hope looks like in our church. But restoring hope in our city, it looks a little different. And so I want to look at a story today of a couple people that had a similar vision to restore hope, maybe not to their entire city, but to a friend. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1. So if you want to turn there with me, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room, even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and then lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And like, man, this is a logistical nightmare, okay? Uh, This is, four guys decide, do you have those friends in your life that are just a little bit odd? Okay, maybe, okay, we don't need to point fingers. We don't need to point fingers. Maybe they're even in this church. We don't need to point fingers. Um, but, but this guy who is paralyzed, he has four of those friends. And those four friends, they hear about this man that is performing miracles in the city. And so it says that they take him and put him on his mat, which in our language today, it would better be described as a stretcher. Okay, And so they put him on this stretcher maybe even against his will, I don't know. And they tie four ropes, ropes, one on each corner, and each guy picks a rope and starts hauling him to Jesus. Now, a few things that we need to at least consider. Jesus was not in the public eye when this happened. He wasn't like out preaching on a street corner. He wasn't over by the Sea of Galilee. No, it says that he was in a house. He was in Peter's house. And so when these guys leave with their friend, it's probably likely that they have no idea where they're going. (laughs) They load him up and they just start walking. And their plan is to say, hey, have you seen that guy with the miracles? (laughs) Hey, have you seen that Jesus guy? And, And the other thing that you have to consider is how did they even come up with this plan? This is towards the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So at best, they maybe heard rumors of it. Maybe they saw somebody walking that was healed. Maybe they heard about a friend of a friend of a friend that now is not paralyzed. So they go on a hunch. And a hunch sometimes, hope looks sometimes looks like a hunch. Hope sometimes is just a hunch that maybe God could actually do something. And so these four uh, numbskulls, they take their friend and they make their way, hopefully, to Jesus. And that's just from their friend's perspective. Imagine if you're the guy, okay? You're sitting at home minding your own business, and your four friends say, We got a plan. (laughs) and they say what is it and they say we're going to put you on this stretcher we're going to find something that fixes you you know and they say we're going to take you to a guy who claims to be the son of God okay let's be real if that happened to you tomorrow would you be like oh boy howdy this sounds great now I'd have some serious doubts wouldn't I and so he gets on this mat, and when I was reflecting on this man on the stretcher, I suddenly felt very similar to him. Because there are moments in my life where I have seen that I don't necessarily want to go to the feet of Jesus, but through some really great friends, I get there. Uh, something less spiritual than that is when I, my back seized this or mo- er, Monday, Not this morning, that would have been bad. Uh, But Monday, I was washing my hands in the kitchen sink, and my entire lower back just cinched up. And If you've ever experienced that pain, you know that it's terrible. And I I went and I laid on the couch, and I was using my phone, making a chiropractor appointment. And I remember throughout the next couple days, I didn't realize that I was going to need help when that happened. Um, And you can laugh at that, because it is laughable, but I remember I made that chiropractor appointment thinking that I was going to drive myself there. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, thank God we're done with the wisdom series, am I right? Okay, Uh, but but I, I made that appointment, and my friend Jen came over that morning, and she drove me there, and I told Jen, I said, look, I am not great at getting help, and she said, okay, whatever, let's go, let's go. And, and we go, and they, you know, do a bunch of scans. They show me some x-rays where my, because I was basically like this all week. And anyway, we get back, and there's some stairs in front of my my house, and I can hardly walk. And she has all the stuff, and she says, okay, Lindsay, you're gonna stay here, I'm gonna drop the stuff off, and then I'm gonna come and help you up the stairs. And I said, yeah, okay. And then she comes back out the front door, and I'm on the top step, okay? And, she's like, and she looks at me with this face that only, like, a disappointed mother can look at you. And it's just like, what are you doing? And I remember I was talking to Valerie and Jen later that day, and I said, I'm just not good at getting help. And Valerie said something that has just wrecked my week entirely. She said, it's funny because even though you're terrible at receiving help, it doesn't mean you don't need it. See, we live in a world full of people that don't like to receive help or hope, that don't want to receive that naturally, and yet it doesn't diminish the fact that they need it. This man maybe didn't want to be drugged to the feet of Jesus, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't paralyzed. And we live in a world full of people that need folks to carry their stretcher, that need folks to look them in the eyes and remind them who they are. Bob Goff, he says, he says people don't grow when they are informed. They grow when they're loved. Listen, this world isn't waiting to be convinced of Jesus. They are waiting to see him face to face and experience his hope and so, when I look at this man from this perspective of him on this stretcher, I have to question when you look up, when you look into your life, are you showing hope? Are you carrying the stretcher? And let's keep reading. Verse 2 Soon the house where they were staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. Even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived. Carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, can we just appreciate that this is like straight out of a Three Stooges episode? Okay? You know, this is a pretty big room, but if we were completely packed and I'm preaching the Word of God and you guys are giving me amens and hallelujahs and all of a sudden a light from above. Came through the roof. I'm gonna have some serious questions, all right? I'm gonna be seriously wondering what in the world is happening. And so these guys, they haul their friend up to the rooftop, and it says that they broke the roof. I love this. The NIV, it translates it, it says they uncovered the roof. And there is a commentary who got so mad about that, he say, listen to what he says. Such a rendering is entirely misleading. The force of the word is that they broke up the roof of the house, tearing up the fabric in order to lower the man down on his pallet into the presence of Jesus. And they tore it up. And man, I would have loved to be there for this conversation because it was hard work hauling this man to Jesus, right? And they get there and there's no room. If I was one of the friends, you know what I'd say? Dude, you were going to walk home. I'm not carrying you, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, this was a one-way ticket, homeboy. (laughs) Like, this is not happening twice, and this is the beauty of this moment, is that they were banking with the hope of Jesus that this man was going to be healed, that this man was not going to have to be carried home, And some days, I imagine that these people, they looked at each other, they said, you thinking what I'm thinking? And they said, we're going to get over it, literally. We're going to get over it, and we're going to get on the roof, and we're going to lower him in. Now, some days we get to be those friends. Some days we get to be the people that lower our friends, that tear up barriers and lower our friends through impossible odds to the feet of Christ. Are you those friends? As if you are, we must do this. We must tear down every barrier between Christ's hope and our friends. And I'm not talking slide things around. I'm not saying uncovering. I'm saying tear it apart. Every single barrier that happens, we have to tear it apart. And I'm not saying that we need to bend the truth I'm not saying that we need to make it more comfortable. No, you were given the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, to spread the greatest news that we were ever ever given with grace and with truth to people. It does not need to be bent. It does not need to be made comfortable. You were called to bust through barriers so that we could experience Jesus. Paul talks about this in Romans 14. He says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. That means when church gets crowded with things that aren't kingdom-minded, we got to break it up we got to break it up. The, the other versions, the other places where this story is in Scripture, it says that Jesus was teaching the Pharisees in that house. Just imagine this with me. If I am a Pharisee, and I'm sit, standing in this house that is full of people, and I see a man being carried on a stretcher to the guy who does miracles, I know why they're there. I could have made room, but instead I said no, and I look inward. We live in a world full of Christians that do this every day, where we look inward, we say that it's all about keeping it, maintaining our relationship, being this kind of person while ignoring the pain and the paralyzed that are behind us. They could have moved, but they did not. They could have gotten out of the way, but they chose not to. Are we the people that are keeping people and becoming stumbling blocks? Or are we moving out of the way so that our friend can get to Jesus? Listen, when when you, the church gets crowded with things that are not kingdom-focused, When people get you down, when there is divisiveness of man, when there are walls of the enemy, you look at them with the same fervor that these idiots looked at that house, and you say, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to find every single way, and I'm going to tear it apart because my friend needs that hope. They need that hope. I'm not carrying them home. Everything banks on the fact that they're going to find Jesus. Uh, Francis Chan, one of my favorite quotes from him, he writes in his book that uh, he had some friends visiting his church and he said, how was church afterwards? And the guy said, well, I really loved it, but I really didn't like worship. And Francis says so poetically, he says, well that's a relief, because we weren't worshiping you to begin with. (laughs) Listen, listen, I think Christians today are getting to be doormats. Let me tell you what, there was not going to, ha- a miracle wouldn't have happened if these folks would have let the walls of the enemy and the barriers that had happened to keep them discouraged from bringing their friends to Christ. Well, listen, you are a child of the king. You are anointed and gifted and empowered and called to be a light, to be an advocate, to be an advisor, to be an minister of grace and of hope to this world. You are called to the broken and the hurting. You, Anchor Church, you are called to rise in restoration in Colorado Springs. Will you do that? Will you restore hope within this city? Because we are blessed to be the friends that lower our people through impossible odds. Look at this, verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head and then lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And I I just love this, because Jesus looks up through a hole in Peter's roof. Like, imagine when Peter's wife got home, okay? Like, he, she probably walks in and goes, Oh my Jehovah, what's happening? Like, what happened to my roof, okay? And so he looks up through this hole. He sees four heads, okay? Four heads. And he doesn't see four morons. He sees great faith. He sees powerful faith. And he says, because of their faith, Your sins are forgiven because of their faith. Man, we need people that their faith is seen, uh, that their faith is so visible that they believe that God is big enough and loves enough not to just provide for your needs, but for the needs of the people that are around you. And you got to see what happens next. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And this is like not in scripture, so just bear with me. But if I was one of those guys, knowing maybe possible in- intellect of them right now, I bet one of them at least said, he doesn't need forgiveness. He can't walk, you know? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? And Jesus, he looks at him and Look at this, Warren Wearsby, he says, Forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performs. It meets the greatest need, it costs the greatest price, and it brings the greatest blessing and most lasting results. See, Jesus sees past the physical needs each and every time. And he says, I want to give you the greatest gift that I could possibly give you. And then he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And if I was him, I would have strutted a little bit, let's be real, okay? They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. All those folks that couldn't make any room for this man are amazed at this miracle. And there's debate out there. know why did Jesus make him carry his stretcher well why did Jesus make him carry that out of the building Uh, some some theologians say that it's some like allegory some people say you know it's it was a representation of Israel in the new covenant which might be true you know why I think Jesus made him carry his stretcher I think it was so people would recognize him Because if you think about it, that that stretcher was his testimony. And when people saw him walking home, carrying his stretcher, they knew that he had been healed. That he once was completely paralyzed, but now he has hope. Listen, folks, I know your life. We talk all the time, and I love it. We don't have it all together, do we? (laughs) Laughter. Uh, myself included. We don't have it all together. We don't have it figured out. But you know why that is? Because you and I, we each have a stretcher of our own. We each have a a story of our own, of crossing through impossible odds to get to the feet of Jesus and to realize our worth. Listen, you have been blessed with the miracle of salvation. You, you have the power to overcome every barrier that sets itself up against the will of God. You have been called to the hurting and the broken. You have been empowered in love and, and in giving. You are spoken to as an embryo and called by name. You are knit together with passions and gifts, with wisdom and admonition. Anchor Church, you are called to restore to restore when things don't look so great. So this this year, I have been really excited to be along for the ride with you guys, and I was heading home from a conference in Arizona a couple weeks ago, and just so you know how spiritual I am, my headphones died, so I was like, I should probably pray now. Uh, (laughs) But but I I found some time to pray, and I, I was like, Lord, I know October's coming up. What are you calling us to do as a church? And he led me to this verse in Matthew, Matthew 7. It says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And so often we see this verse as like a name-it-and-claim-it process, process, you know? Like, if I knock, Jesus is going to give me a Ferrari, you know? (laughs) If that happens, I will get this blessing. But I loved how this is translated. It says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And this isn't a story of name-it-and-claim-it. This is a story of endurance, of saying, Lord, I still want you to move. And so when I, during my prayer time, I said, Lord said, if you could ask for anything, what would you ask for? And I said, if I could ask for anything for our church in this coming year, it would be that our congregation would grow. And I'll be honest with you, it's not because we need it. If we wanted to just maintain from here until when Jesus comes back, we'd be okay. Doors would stay open, lights would stay on. But I believe that God is asking us to add the same number of people that we have in our building this morning to our church family this year. I believe that He's calling us for every single person to add one human to our family. And not because we have to, not because we're in survival mode, no. But because every single time somebody is added to our family, Hope is restored. I've seen it happen countless times in your life, in my life. I see it happen when somebody walks into a church. And let me tell you what, Colorado Springs, there are people in this city that need a church like ours. They need a church full of embracing, hopeful weirdos. <laughs> and they need people that will walk with them that will pick up their stretcher, uh, where recovery is not something that we have to hush-hush about, but that we are all being recovered and restored in Jesus' name. Uh, There are people in this city, every empty seat that you see around represents a person that needs a church-like anchor. And so I I believe that it is our call this year to pray a God-sized prayer. And it is our aim to double in size in this year as a church. Now, it pains me to make those big goals because it requires a lot of Jesus. And it requires me to become less and less and stronger and surrendered and humbled. But I believe that it's not just my burden to bear. If this, hap- if this is going to happen logistically, that means each person is bringing one new folk into our church on Sunday morning. And that means, kids, you're not off the hook. <laughs> that means you get to invite your friends. Uh, Pastor Lindsay, you're not off the hook. <laughs> now, every single one of us can add one person to our church this year. And I, I think the, the most beautiful thing about hope is that hope can be borrowed. Have you ever noticed that? Like, these guys, they they picked up their friend, and he borrowed some hope from them, but hope that when it gets borrowed, it has the potential to turn into great faith. That man walked out of that crowded house that day, and his hope turned into great faith. Maybe you look at your life, and you say, I don't have one person You know, I don't have that person that is coming to mind. Maybe that person is in your household. Maybe that person's in your family. Maybe that person's one of your friends or your coworkers. Maybe that person is so far from Jesus that they would roll their eyes if you invited them. But what if they just needed to borrow some hope? To borrow some hope from you that life could be different and that there is this man who wants to give you life in its fullest? So, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. And we're going to take communion today as a family. And I thought that this was the most appropriate way to end our time together with a calling like this. Um, because historically, communion is this time where we come together and we remember the power of the cross, where we remember that Jesus' body was broken where his blood was poured out so that we might have new life in Christ. So this morning, if you would like to participate in communion, we practice open communion. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you have committed to follow him, you are welcome to take communion. If you say, I'm not there yet, you are welcome to sit sit down and enjoy worship during this time. So I want to read this verse for you. It says, He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is my new covenant between God and his people, and an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out, As a sacrifice for you. Lord Jesus, you gave everything so that we might experience freedom. Lord, freedom from sin, freedom from hopelessness, freedom from death. Lord Jesus, you overcame so that we could be overcomers. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that that maybe would say, maybe today's the day I need to commit to follow Christ. Maybe for the first time or the 50th. Would you raise your hand with me right now? Lord Jesus, we want to commit to follow you. God, we want to have a relationship with you And it's because of the work that you did on the cross that we can have that. Lord, I give you my life. God, I give you my anxieties and my fears, my emotions and my strengths. And I ask you to have your way. Lord, this coming year, we believe together that we are called to increase, that we are called to seek out, to knock on some doors and to keep on knocking. Lord, to see people engage in your church again and to see restoration happen. Lord, that one person, God, would you bring it to mind right now? Lord, would you interrupt our lives with that person? God, would you force us and welcome us into praying for them so that they might experience the joy and the goodness of your salvation? Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to this hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Lord Jesus, can we give out that strong and trustworthy anchor that is the hope of our salvation? In Jesus' name, amen.